at the intersection of ideas and action. This is Longitude Soundbites, where we bring innovative insights from around the world directly to you. I'm Jade McAdams, Longitude Fellow from Rice University. In today's episode, we will be featuring highlights from a conversation I had with Don Scott, Chief Technology Officer of Marine AI and the Director of Engineering at Submergence Group, LLC. He is also part of the Mayflower Autonomous Ship Project, which we explored for our Imagination series to learn about the individuals involved and the experiences that turned an idea into reality. As a mechanical engineer, I was interested to hear about Don's experiences with the design aspects of the project and delve into the engineering mindset behind this AI ship. Being able to take an idea from the brainstorming phase all the way to a concrete product can be a difficult process, and I wanted to learn more about the hurdles that can arise and how they can be overcome. We started our conversation with his description of the Mayflower Autonomous Ship Project, otherwise known as MAS 400. Basically, it's a, it's a vehicle of exploration and discovery. The goal is to design and develop in a completely autonomous vehicle. In other words, so nobody's on board to head out and explore the world's oceans, collect scientific data about the ocean to increase our knowledge and understanding of this incredible resource that we have. So could you just talk a little bit about what your role as CTO entails Sure. Um, well, this particular project, the, a lot of the work that's involved has been managing the teams and focusing on energies on how to develop this sort of new and innovative capabilities. And, and the key for us is not just developing the ideas, but developing them so that they'll work in the real world. So deployment. In a development cycle, you've, you know, con- conceptualization or, you know, research and development and then finally deployment. You know, we follow sort of an applied research and development approach where, uh, you know, we call it full contact engineering, where you're you're not just sort of sitting around doing thought experiments on how you would do something. You're actually building something and putting it out into the environment and seeing how it works and then improving on that. That's mainly my job. My job is basically managing all of those different projects and, and keeping them focused on on the direction we want to move in. So I guess like following off of that, so how do you come to know everything that you need to account for when you're designing this like brand new technology essentially, and then make it happen? Can you like go a little bit more in depth on the problem solving process? Sure. Just to step back just a little bit first. So, I mean, we have, we're not just a couple of guys who are sitting around our living room, you know, said, Hey, let's build a autonomous ship. Right. So you know, my partner and I, you know, we've been working together for about 30 years in ocean engineering and for the last 15 building manned and unmanned submarines for various navies. We have a lot of experience in, in building these kinds of things. What we're doing for Mayflower is really just sort of a natural extension of that. So I lost your original question, but I was just sort of giving you background about about how we got into this. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. That's definitely important. I was just asking a little bit more about the problem solving process okay. that you go through when you're like ideating for this. Yeah, it's a tough question because I we have you know a pretty clear I think understanding of where we want to go. 
what's missing is the roadmap, right? On how to how to get there. And I think that's a, that's a big stumbling block for a lot of this type of development, like new innovative capability. Like you have this, you know, vague sort of nebulous idea of, of what you think things should be and how it should act, but you just really don't know how to get there, right? And I think that stops a lot of people and they don't just like make that first step, right? Okay, let's really try to break this down into like these little steps that we can accomplish. You know, there's a saying basically, if you're trying to describe a like a project, and if you can't break it down into, you know, steps that take like four or five hours, you don't really understand what you're doing. So uh so it's the same on these larger scale projects. You know, the timeline's not four or five hours, it's you know, like one or two weeks, right? Or a month. So I think that's what we do. And we're also we have this expression like like done is better than perfect, right? But that idea of uh, of actually getting something out on the water that works well enough, and then building on that, and that actually also creates an, an energy too. I'm a big fan of of not just creating a story of what you're developing, but actually building the object itself because it creates this sort of growing energy amongst the people that are working on it too, saying, "Oh, look." It's out on the water. It's doing something. It's not working all that great, but it's actually out there doing something. And now I really can t- have a tangible understanding of what I'm doing and what I'm working. For, so, yeah, that was an awesome answer. You said that sometimes done is better than perfect, and that sometimes yeah. like it's better to just get something out there. So, what would you say has been like the biggest either hurdle that you've had to overcome to get the ship on the water? Or a second part to this question, and you can answer both, would be something that you guys have had to sacrifice in the engineering of this project that was maybe originally would have loved to have, but at some point it just became impractical. When I say done is better than perfect, like you do have to meet a threshold of of goodness. So we're we're there. The idea of things that we had to sacrifice. We're, uh, I guess, in the grand scheme, especially of of defense or, uh, oriented and, and ships, is that we're a small company, right? Like, um, like the marine AI side, we're only about ten people, and the M sub side, which is our parent company, is about seventy people. We're no Lockheed Martin or our electric boat, right? So for us, uh, budget is always a concern. We have to be sort of an expectation that uh, it's going to take a little more time because a lot of the people that are are working on it are also working on other projects, right? So when we started doing this, you know, there weren't a lot of people doing it. There's a lot more people doing it now. And so we sort of have had to sacrifice speed, let's say. Like we've been able to be fairly quickly and innovative. I know we can act quicker than some of the larger companies, but what we can't do is throw massive amounts of money and resources on a problem. Right. You know? I mean, budget, scope, and schedule always go hand in hand. Putting down budget, the other two also have to be sacrificed a little bit. Yeah. Our engineers are, have been given a fair fair bit of agency in order to pursue their the problems. Like, not a lot of hand-holding. There's ex- high expectations of performance. And, you know, some people are great in that. Some people aren't. You're asking, like, things we've had to sacrifice. And and what were the biggest hurdles? To be honest, I think some of the biggest hurdles were regulatory. This is pretty disruptive technology in a fairly conservative environment. Like, the marine domain is is not really known for its acceptance of change, right? 
the, the issues you have is you have like an established set of operators, master mariners, ship captains, always operated a certain way. Uh, and then you have the regulatory agencies, which are overseeing. I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss them at all because their conservatism and uh, resistance to change is, is well warranted, right? Because an accident at sea uh, means loss of life and major damages. So they're, they're naturally reticent. Uh, for this type of technology to, to be introduced. They have these sort of very significant safety concerns. That said, it creates a very difficult environment in order to, to introduce new technology. So the onus is on us to develop trust in these systems. So we do everything we can to sort of develop trust. And it's a difficult relationship to, to navigate for sure. You know, you're working to like build trust with these like regulatory agencies. And obviously you're kind of putting in place a project that is very innovative and new. So how do you navigate that field? Like what are the things you do to kind of share your vision with someone who may not originally, you know, appreciate what you're trying to do? You know, this is a kind of a classic, you're afraid of what you don't understand type of scenario. So uh, we're very open about what we're doing, very transparent. You know, these are sort of key words when you're talking about AI-based systems. Transparency, explainability, trust, all these sort of things. And also sort of approaching it as how does this sort of assist the industry? I think a lot of where a lot of sort of companies make the mistake, maybe they've done it like with with autonomous cars in this, like, a, you know, when they first talked about it, like, we're going to have completely autonomous cars, you're going to be able to hop into this taxi, and it's going to without a person going to drive you to the airport, right? They're not saying that anymore, right? Now they're saying, like, you know, we're not going to have driverless cars, what we're going to have are, you know, we're not calling it artificial intelligence anymore, we're calling it augmented intelligence, right? We're going to, we're going to do all these things that are going to enhance your ability to operate safely. So that's sort of, where we are, purpose of Mayflower is to develop the, it's sort of like a forcing function to develop the technology that can be introduced and used in the maritime industry to augment their capability. You know, we call it sharing the cognitive burden, the computer vision and the uh, collision avoidance, and we call it collision regulations, recommendations, have all of that stuff you know, working in the background because machines are very good at doing that and providing advice to the human who is now freed up to actually do what they're better at, which is strategic navigation, things like that. Just to paraphrase, to make sure that I understand everything you're saying, when it comes to like getting people on board for something like this, a lot of it has to do with kind of showing how it can benefit either them or other people further down the line. Yeah. I guess, where do you see the future of this project going? And maybe how do you see, like, as people become more open to the idea of artificial or augmented intelligence, how far along do you see a project like the Mayflower going? And then how do you see it leading into like new initiatives? Basically creating a platform for ocean science and research, right? Having an autonomous ship that could sail around the world's oceans and, and collect data creating this autonomous capability for ships. I think Mayflower is is really in an interesting sort of position because, you know, the, I think a lot of people are, you know, quote, scared of AI, right? Like, you know, like everyone watched the Terminator and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's never, never good, you know, when the machines, quote, take over. So 
But I think you see Mayflower and it's sort of like, okay, this is an AI based system. And look, it's actually doing something good, right? It's, it's actually enhancing our lives, or we hope that it does in this way. You know, it's, it's essentially, we think of it as tech for good, right? Like it's, it's providing a platform for not only actually learning about the ocean, you know, and the need for preservation, but it's also, you know, it's engaging the public as well. It's a, it's a platform. And so I think in terms of the future, where Mayflower is positioned, it, it sort of can be used almost as a demonstration that, look, it's not all bad. AI is, can be used for good things. Yeah. So kind of going along with that, actually, what do you think people's general biggest fears regarding AI are? And what would you say kind of like as an engineer, someone who's actually making this happen, kind of to like rebut that. I think I think a lot of people's concepts of AI is informed by by hyperbole, you know, this idea of generalized AI. You know what I mean when I say general AI? No, actually. Could you- uh, okay, so general AI is is that idea of, you know, innate intelligence. The idea of, which I think of as a really human capability, which is making conceptual leaps, having one set of information and being able to to transfer that to another situation. But it, it's about the idea that, you know, if you have an AI system used to like build pencils, that AI system isn't going to take over the world. All it's going to do is build like a really good pencil, right? Like it's not going to be able to take all its knowledge about building pencils and all of a sudden you know, take over the world. Right. That's sort of generalized AI, right? What we have are very limited. I mean, and AI is, is such a, a difficult term too, right? Like it's basically statistics, you know, and, you know, and we're using neural networks and things like that to, to sort of do things, you know, really quickly that we couldn't do before. Technology probably did itself a disservice by adopting this word AI. And we tend to use the term deep learning and machine learning, right? It seems to not have the same reaction in the general public when we use those terms, because it's like, oh, oh, okay, it's not this AI system that's going to take over. And But you're just using machine learning and deep learning to perform tasks that are otherwise kind of mundane. When did you first develop your interest in this field? And like, how have you taken that interest and like ended up on this project in the first place? So my dad was a geology professor. He was diving down to the bottom of the ocean in deep sea submersibles. That really piqued my interest in this environment, in the ocean environment, and working in that space. So I pretty much worked towards forging a career in the ocean environment. I worked down at Woods Hole at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute um, with the Deep Submergence Lab guys for a year between my second and third year university. And that pretty much solidified my interest in working in this space. I've always sort of been focused on the R&D side of things, working on new things. I know myself well enough that I like working on new things all the time. I get kind of bogged down and bored if if we sort of spend, you know, I, I'm not a production guy, right? I don't need to see the end of a project, which much to the chagrin of some of my business partners. I like sort of white paper design, you know, where you're got like a blank piece of paper or a blank whiteboard behind you and you have a concept that you know you have you have this idea of, of where we want to be. I really find a lot of satisfaction 
in making that roadmap and sort of carving a way through all the clutter and actually realizing those concepts and, and making them happen and creating a, a physical representation of what used to be an idea and seeing that come fruition. How has your role changed from the beginning of the project and this like conception, making that first roadmap till now? Yeah. So Brett, who's my partner in this, the guy I've been, like, I've been working with for like 30 years, he was in the city of Plymouth a meeting about Mayflower. And you know they were talking about how are they going to commemorate the anniversary. And someone suggested that they make a, a replica ship. And he said, well, that's, that's not a great idea. There's tons of replica ships, right? And he said, well, we'll build an autonomous ship. He got out of that meeting and he first call was to me. And he said, uh, Don, he said, can we build an autonomous ship that will sail across the Atlantic? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so that was the concept to actually make it happen. Like we went through, I went through a lot of fits and starts. Back to your question of how did it happen or how does it happen? I think it takes a really diverse group of people. So I, that's why I think Brett and I are actually a really good partnership. He's definitely the idea person. And then I'm the the one who likes to like to take those ideas and pursue them and make them happen. Like basically we're we're both sort of standing on the edge of a cliff. And he says, Oh, wouldn't it be a great idea to jump? And I'll say, Yeah, sure, maybe. And then and then he basically pushes me off the cliff and then and then jumps right after me, you know, that thing. I do see that's how our partnership works. And Mayflower is is a really prime example of that. He had this idea, you know, this concept. It was in his head, and he, but he's able to express it quite clearly, but also motivate others to to sort of to do that. It's great to have an idea, but you actually need to build a team to actually make it happen. You need mechanical engineers, you need electrical engineers, you need software people and stuff like that. So we were lucky in that we already had the mechanical electrical software people, right? We just needed to sort of focus them on a different project. To me, the most fascinating aspect of Dawn's experience with the Mayflower Autonomous Ship Project is that success at every phase seemed to tie back to developing a strong understanding of the end goal, in this case, creating an autonomous vehicle of exploration and discovery. Whether he was breaking down this vast idea into feasible steps, focusing team members on a new vision, iterating on a less than perfect design attempt, or convincing others of the future benefits of augmented intelligence, taking the time to understand the unknown and share this understanding with those around him opened the doors for innovation. As Dawn says, people fear what they don't understand, and so taking a risk like that of the MAS 400 requires being willing to work to discover what you don't know and then help educate others on the value of your ideas. As I graduate with my mechanical engineering degree, I plan to take these insights from my conversation with Don and use them to drive my own engineering design process. We hope you enjoyed today's segment. Please feel free to share your thoughts over social media and visit longitude.site for the episode transcript. Join us next time for more unique insights on Longitude Soundbites.